KRCL 90.9 FM, HD1, Salt Lake City, Ogden, Provo, 96.7 FM in Park City, and on the web at krcl.org. This is Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. I'm Rashawn Leak of Roundtable Tuesdays, and joining me for tonight's show is Laura Jones. Hey, hey. What's going on, Laura? How are you? I so want to derail this already and talk about the slap her around the world, but I think we should have like a slap-free zone tonight. What do you say? I, I'm in on that. I'm in on that. It's, once the door closes, we're slap safe. I like it. What's on the show tonight? So on the show tonight, well, being it's Transgender Visibility Day, it's coming up on Thursday in the wake of the Utah legislature's override of Governor Cox's veto of HB 11. There's so much in that I sentence. Was, and I, I wrote was, it. I, you know, it, it, it took a little bit to even say it because it's <laughs> it's it's upsetting. So, which is just for anybody who's not paying attention, HB 11 effectively is banning transgender youth participation in sports, specifically transgender girls. And we wanted to pass the mic to our transgender youth, their families, and advocates. So tonight we have Sue Robbins of Equality Utah's Transgender Advisory Council with an update on the veto override session of last week and when litigation will follow. Lucas Horns, who founded Project Rainbow in 2018 to broaden LGBTQ plus visibility in the state. Dallas Rivas, Project Rainbow board member. Olivia Jaramillo. Equality Utah Director of Public Outreach, Diversity and Inclusion Trainer, and poet Margot Apricot, who's on a personal bike track. I reached her earlier today on that trek in Austin, Texas. She's gonna share a couple poems, you know me. Oh, I, I, we, love, we love poetry here. A couple stories from the road, and of course her traveling companion, Spruce, Spruce Springsteen. I had to sit there and think about it for a second. In my mind, Spruce Springsteen is another Jersey transplant. There you go. But let's start with rallies and resources. Folks, we have a, a page on our website, krcl.org, called Rallies and Resources under Community Affairs, where the Radioactive team puts together some highlights of events coming up in the community. You can always email me, radioactive at krcl.org, and we'll add something. Rashawn, what are you looking at? So we have a couple events coming up. A couple that I'm looking at are specifically this Friday. Number one being Friday Forum Collective Action Against Hate which is 1.30 to 3 o'clock p.m. It's an event uh, up at the University of Utah in Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion. Uh, it's a 90-minute addition to the Friday Forums on Racism and Higher Education series, which will focus on the threat towards HBCUs, that's historically black colleges, and black spaces at the University of Utah. And also, uh, this Friday is the Utah Black Chamber's Evening in Harlem. It's a, it's a fun celebration. You know, get to let your hair down, throw on some fancy clothes, maybe uh, gamble in the name of goodwill, and you know, just just hang out. It's and it's a it's a benefit that's uh, going to uh, help out with UBC's Black Success Center. It's the economic development hub for the nonprofit. I have a lights out I want to talk about Tuesday, April fifth. Dark sky efforts and Swanner stargazing, seven to nine p.m. The last couple days have been so nice, even with the clouds last I'm, year. I was right? surprised. I was, as, as long as you're looking at the right area, it's yeah. pretty blue out there. It is, it is. So up in Park City at Swanner Preserve and Eco Center, it's a dark sky initiative celebrating and encouraging the preservation of night skies. There'll be a talk, a walk, stargazing opportunity. We'll talk about light pollution, the effect nighttime lights have on people and the environment, and what we can do to protect our views of the Milky Way. So that's coming up. And then Wednesday, April 13th, options for eliminating the sales tax on food, a Utah Zoom session with Crossroads Urban Center and Cork, the multi-faith response to poverty. If you were paying attention to the legislative session, there was a push to eliminate the sales tax on food. But no, we got this. It's a little this weird, like, tax like after the fact. Yeah. It's and, a at convention, the Republican convention that just happened, uh, they said they're not done cutting our taxes yet. I'm okay with taxes to pay for things like eliminating the sales tax on food. We're going to have to do another show on that, get Bill Tibbetts and Glenn Bailey from Crossroads back in here. I love it. To talk about it. And then Saturday, April 16th, guess what, folks? U.S. National Park Service waives entry fee to all parks on that day. It's one of five free days this year, and it also marks the start 
of National Park Week. So a few rallies and resources, and I think it's time for our special guest. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Let's welcome Sue Robbins back to the mic. Hey, Sue, how are you? Feels like it's been a while. It's nice to be back again. Community co-host Emeritus from Radio Active and now on the Transgender Advisory Council of Equality Utah. You stepped away from the show to specifically work on policy issues um, in the, the halls of power. And it was a disappointing session. We had you on just before the override session. Since you were here, that happened. HB 11 was reversed, folks going to Republican convention thinking that might save them and didn't for a couple. What was your read of that override session? Send alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Maybe we could do a show on psilocybin. (laughs) Oh, hey, hey, there we go. There we go. Uh, It's, uh, there's so much that came into play here. You know, obviously there's a lot of talk that you referred to that this was done to save seats. And, you know, we don't know that. It could have been some individuals and not others. Uh, for those of you that did it for that reason, but you still feel like you want to be trans supportive, I don't get it. I don't get it because to be supportive would have been to support the veto. Mm-hmm. But I'm still here. I'm still the br- ready to bring you across the finish line instead of you stopping at the finish line. Let's talk. I mean, there's so much disinformation that went around this entire session that it's just hard to put your arms around all of it. It just all was like marketing against us and just steamrolled the whole effort. So the veto now means what for transgender high school and middle school athletes? So the ban keeps transgender girls from competing in girls sports in public schools. Specifically transgender mm-hmm. girls. Yeah. So not wor- and there's some misogyny in that, isn't there as feels well? Like it. There's a lot of it in there. And also it only affects public schools. So the private schools are still covered by the high school activities associations policy. That's so interesting. Y- so if you go to a different school, then you get different treatment. Hmm. Kind of mm. sounds funny, doesn't it? Mm. Equal treatment under the law. Okay, so there are a lot of, well, at least one outfit in particular I can think of, the ACLU of Utah, saying litigation is on the way. What can you tell us about that? Well, what I can say is I feel like it's coming. Uh, Obviously, you have to find someone who has the right standing that you can bring through and a family that's ready for that. That would not be a difficult task. I have had friends who did lawsuits at a national level as a Jane John Doe type of thing. And it was tough on them, even with their name out there. But if anyone gets a hold of who this youth is or the family is, Mm -hmm. then they've got a lot they need to be able to deal with. So to me, uh, the very first rule that I've said in everybody in discussions is if you're going to bring any youth in like that, then we're going to take care of them, we're going to wrap our arms around them, and we're going to be as much of a cocoon as we can. And then the lawsuit comes second because uh, it's not easy for them just coming up to this point, never mind stepping up to be that person who is going to put themselves out there and have to face uh, the potential harassment Mm -hmm. and hate that will come with being out there. Those increasing levels of vulnerability, Rashawn. Absolutely. And and so... The hard part is it, it's the responsibility shouldn't fall on our transgender brothers, sisters to, to educate people. But it seems you said earlier, Sue, there's so much miseducation and misinformation around there. And a lot of people are working from fear. A lot of people are, are working from emotion and not working from knowledge or science. So how do we how do you combat? How do we combat that? So I've found that to be very true. Uh, The thing that has been thrown at us mostly with this that we have not been able to break through is everybody keeps saying biology, biology, and they have no idea what biology is in these youth bodies and how a transition with hormone therapy impacts our youth. Because they're thinking about someone who's been through puberty and works out in the gym and that's the picture they draw. They're not thinking about a youth who's never been through puberty because we block it. So there's this level there where we've I found or I feel that people have this biology drummed in their mind and it meets their basic knowledge so they get affirmed in it so if you try and challenge it their barriers go up 
So to me, part of what we need to do is to soften them. We need to bring in the kids, let them meet our youth, let them meet transgender people and start to understand with their eyes. Mm -hmm. Because these youth are amazing. They're, you know, I, I love them dearly. They're so special. And we've seen them change representatives and senators up at the House. We heard Senator Thatcher crying on the floor this year. We've heard Senator Weiler get emotional in previous years. And other representatives, the governor is very touched every time he tries to talk about the transgender youth. You can see the emotions flowing. So it's impactful to get to know us. No barriers go up there like we do when we try and uh, discuss the reasons why just saying biology does not accurately depict what is going on. And that's the case. It's not, I'm not calling anybody dumb or stupid. I'm saying here's this base knowledge we learn in biology. And then I'd like to take you further and talk about what we go through, but everybody puts the barriers up automatically. So we need to go a different route. We need to have a way to reach out to people and emotionally touch them. In the meantime, the override of the governor's veto of HB 11, if you're tracking along with me, folks, is now a fact. So that means this commission is going to get stood up, stood up and, and staffed and, and people appointed or, or what? Well, that's so the way it works is the ban is will be in place starting July 1st. That's the effective date. So that will ban transgender girls. So that means transgender boys, non-binary individuals who want to participate in boys sports. You know, it gets into uh, unamended birth certificates and which um, gendered sport you want to compete in. But if you want to compete in the male gendered sports or if you start with a unamended birth certificate with an F on it, not an X or an M, then you're not covered by the ban. So you go right to the High School Earth Athletics Association policy, which covers public and private schools. Mm. And it covers all youth, except for the ones who are banned by the law. Now, if we sue, if we sue, which I'm going to say it feels like the momentum's there for mm -hmm. that, we just have to, the pieces have to be put together. And the ban gets enjoined, which is the court putting a pause button on it. At the federal level where there yeah. are other states that have done this, right? Uh, wherever. I Whether don't know it's what our lawsuit here do. in Utah or yeah. other states. Okay. Yeah. So as long as a court enjoins it at any level, it could be Salt Lake District for all I care if they could have the power to do it. Uh, once they do that, then the bans no longer in effect. Then that commission comes into play. And now the commission covers transgender girls and boys for all scholastic activities. So now it starts to be more encompassing. And that commission... Uh, has statisticians on it. Oh, yeah, let's let's drill my body and my life down to stats. And it has coaches on there because coaches can look at me and tell whether my body is right or not. And he knows all about a transgender transition. So one of the issues we really had was the makeup of the commission mm -hmm. because of, you know, these people probably are caring people, I hope, when they're selected, but that doesn't mean they know a thing about transgender community. How many transgender youth has a coach seen when there's only four participating in the high school level in the state? Yeah. Wow. So, so how do I mean that that's problematic for a number of reasons, you know? So how do we get doctors and professionals who actually should be a part of this, a part of this? Well, that's a problem. With it's now going to be law. So we would have to have another bill to change the makeup of that commission if the commission actually comes into play. So that could happen in special session. Mm -hmm. You know, they may say, okay, we're past all the conventions. Let's jump in. We're going we're gonna to lose a bunch of money on a lawsuit, so let's go ahead and do a special session and pass something else. So we take the ban back off the table and we stop losing money, and maybe they do a little bit of patching on the commission depending on how they feel. And then they've lost, they've removed all their risks, the $500,000 covered whatever amount of months it takes to get through convention. Mm -hmm. And some people think they're safe, depending on how many of them feel like uh, they had an issue of being primary to the right. So there's so many possibilities here just based on the rumors, which it's rumors when we think some of them voted to save their seats of them being primaried on the right. Uh, you know, it's rumors about whether there could just, it's been mentioned that they could come back in a special session by a legislature. So why would you need to come back? Why do you need to sit here and fund a lawsuit that everybody involved says we expect this to be enjoined? Mm -hmm. It's like, 
I'm expecting to have to spend a bunch of money, so let me throw that money out there and lose it. Yeah, and, and one of the comments that you've made in your feeds that I've seen elsewhere as well is this rallying cry to override the veto, to institute the ban, is about protecting girl sports, about Title IX. Oh. And show me you care about girl sports before this by what you've spent, right? Exactly. Because $500,000 for girl sports in uh, middle school and high school in Utah would be welcome any day of the week. It would go so far. Yeah, the fields are bad. There's not enough officiating. The equipment could use improving. And Salaries for coaching. $500,000 at a lawsuit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Locker so, rooms. Uh, it's, you know, ultimately, you know, we, we can't take a category of girls and separate them from other girls. We wouldn't do it with people of color. We wouldn't do it with people of any kind of category that we might come up with and say there's these girls and then there's these girls and we're going to set aside this group because we just think this might be a problem so let's just live in fear which is all it is i mean when we come to the table with statistics and show that hormone treatment policies that we have had at the state olympics and ncaa levels have made us be grossly underrepresented and that is overwhelmed by, I have some girls on my team that look and go, eek, that looks like a big transgender girl. And that's what we're fighting is just a broad fear based on someone's perception that they shouldn't compete against us. Well, Sue, thanks so much for coming down for an update, especially as we approach Transgender Day of Visibility on Thursday. Where are you going to be? I am going to be at the rally in March, <laughs> of course. Starts at 5 on Thursday, and we have a whole panel coming up on that. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having me back. And I love having you. I love. I missed your voice on air. You already know that, though. I love you guys. I love you too, lady. All right, our next conversation here, I recorded earlier today with Utah poet, musician, and now bike tourist in Texas uh, to, to share her experience as a transgender woman in Utah and on the road. Let's pass that microphone. My name is Margot Apricot. I am a transgender woman, a bike tourist right now, and a writer and artist. Your traveling companion is? Spruce Springsteen, the Chihuahua, yeah, um, who's here somewhere, wandering around in the background. So damn cute. And folks, check tonight's show post because Margot sent me some photos from the road. So, Margo, what inspired you to take this solo trip? I understand you have gone on uh, a bike trip with other folks or at least a a human companion before, not just Spruce. But now you're solo, and I'm just mindful of the dangers that transgender women face in our country. Absolutely. Um, I think, for me, a lot of the trip was spontaneous and wanting to do something with and for myself. I mean, there's a lot of times of just being on the road and crying, working through like trauma stuff, I think. And so it really began with no motive beyond kind of doing that shadow work with myself. And then just by happenstance, um, I've been going through a lot of these places where these bills have been going through against transgender uh, youth for the most part. And so I was like, okay, well, I had done this poetry tour last year and I've been doing a lot of writing. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna start trying to do some reading dates. Um, so now it's become a lot more of like, a, like there's a definite intention to meet other transgender folks, to share space, to talk about what our experiences are and hopefully contribute meaningfully to the dialogue going on right now. And, you know, as well as biking, getting big legs. <laughs> well, I saw your your posts pop up in one of my social media feeds, and I'm like, what is going on with Margot? And I saw the poetry. So we have two things. We've got Transgender Day of Visibility on Thursday. We have National Poetry Month coming up. So I thought it'd be a great opportunity to get you on the show and share a bit of your life and a bit of your work. Awesome. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here. So is there anything you do want to tell transgender youth i mean you're not that far out of that age group yourself i'm guessing so is there anything you'd like to tell them and then let's share a poem or two yeah definitely i think um the estrogen helps make it appear that way but i uh (laughs) 
I, I definitely feel like um, a long way from them in, in that uh, my experience as a youth in Utah growing up Mormon, I was not exposed to other transgender people. I really didn't have language for what I was experiencing. So it's a very different world now, even just maybe a decade later um, for some of these young people. I think it's really psychologically traumatic to just, e even when these bills aren't going through in some cases, just to see that there's so much of this um, anger and really ignorance um, being projected at these children. Um, I just want to say to them that like those of us who are older and who have access to hormones and are like living our lives as trans people, see them and are here for this fight and are really like, I think so much of that is talking to people, you know, like I can't tell you how many times on this trip I've been the first transgender person somebody's like met that's open about it. And I think like, um, there's a lot of work to do and it's not for these kids to do. It's for us and it's for cis allies. And I really hope people see that and turn out. Um, so yeah. What's the poem that you'd like to share first? Okay. I have a few I pulled out here, but I think I'll read. I wrote this one um, last night, I think. That's right. <laughs> okay, it's called The Meal. Um, and I wrote this kind of after spending some time here in Austin with a friend who's trans as well, and just like about the conversations we were sharing and kind of what that felt like. Okay. The meal. We mix our tails, recipe of our body lives. We make body soup, share experience casserole. Then for dessert, compassionate listening cake and a warm mug of honest with ourselves tea dosed with honey for a restful and grateful finish. Sharing space with trans people is medicine to me, and I am grateful for that medicine, the way that we cherish and hold each other, the way we give, the way we hold space, the love, the deeply felt desire to see each other fulfilled, safe, thriving, the gassing up, the way we expose our pain, the way we share the weight of it in equity. Nothing about this is for sale. Nothing about who we are can be identified or commodified. And nothing about our sacred bodies can be destroyed. When they try, they attack our lives. They elevate those of us who move now on the other side, who cry out to share with us their cool abiding spells for safety and connection. Our lost generation speaks to us and begs us to destroy everything that hurts us because it was ignorance that killed them. And they hear the cries of our youth being killed by the same propagandist. They weep in the memory of the ground that held them and holds them now. They weep for the burning stolen land waiting to hold us too. Our stories mix together and as their flavors ripen, mellow, intensify, concentrate and transform, they transcend art. We share life bringing sips. We share the hard heart stuff giving nutrition, giving wholeness to our most tender and hungry places. We all deserve this, the fire in our bellies, the warmth of being cherished, the fuel to fight for all our kin and the gentleness to win. Margot Apricot, poet and bike tourist currently in Austin, Texas. It's kind of like being in Park City in Utah, right? So I'm kind of curious about, you said, you know, you, you're meeting people on this bike trip where you're the first transgender person they've met. Tell me about those conversations and, and how you feel about them after. It's definitely a thing where I had a lot of misconceptions about um, even having toured through the South before. Um, I guess I innately thought being in somewhere like rural Louisiana, for example, would be not necessarily a very safe environment. Um, and I definitely had a lot of people very worried about me when I was expressing wanting to do this trip. I think um, one of the reasons that it has felt so safe for me is undeniably that I hold white privilege and like that is its own, own thing. Um, and then these conversations with people, 
you know, it's like there's some there's some people you open up to about it, and there's some people that are like, um, you know, maybe you let them think you're someone you're not or something you're not. Uh, it's really just this intuitive process, but every experience I've had where the opportunity has been there to open up to someone, I think there's a lot of curiosity. Like people just don't understand what our lives are actually like and how mundane and normal trans lives really are. I think um, especially the way we're presented in the media and this focus on like trans women, trans girls in sports really being the uh, focal point, the real our lived realities are so lost um, to, to most people who aren't, you know, engaging in it or are close to trans people. Well, you're an artist as well, a musician. What are you going to do with this material, this life experience that you're gathering? Um, well, you know, I think like it's, it's a weird balance because I really don't want to be profiting off of the suffering of my trans kin or taking this experience that's so sacred to me and turning it into a commodity. I also, you know, I have to pay for hormones every month. I'm definitely not making money on the road, maybe a little bit when I read, but I would be lovely to make a book to do something with the content um, really because I think um, there's there's a vacuum where trans futures are not discussed and shared and our dreams are not discussed and shared. Um, often when we are presented in the media, it's so much um, about our suffering. And so I think when we are sharing space with each other and we talk about what our futures could look like, that's really powerful stuff. And I think that prefiguring um, is ultimately what leads us to more of a liber liber liberatory understanding of ourselves. Um, so hopefully I can, again, play some small part in, in that part of the dialogue. Well, what is your dream? And does coming back to Utah figure into it? Yeah, it definitely does. Um, my partner has been so kind to be uh, supporting me on this trip and dealing with my absence. And it's definitely, it's tough. Um, and I think like uh, another thing is like my friends do this Sandlot Baseball League that just started this last Sunday. So I do definitely scroll through Instagram and get a lot of FOMO missing my friends. But um, I had a friend call me and was like, you're on a hero quest. You better bring back some information. And so, so far what I'm going to bring back is frozen rosé called Froze, which I guess is an Austin thing. I was a big fan. <laughs> well, what is your social media so folks can follow you on your hero's journey, Margo? It's just at Margo Apricot, Margo with a T on Instagram. Um, I post a lot of Chihuahua-oriented bike content. And uh, Spruce Springsteen is awesome. And I hope when you're back in Utah, you'll come into the studio live with Spruce and share more of your journey, okay? Absolutely, yeah. They, they've been on the radio a few times, as you may have heard. <laughs> let's, let's, uh, let's have one more poem to okay. close our, our, our Zoom conversation, Margo. And thank you again for responding so quickly to my invitation. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you for reaching out. This one's called Trans Bodies as Landscapes for Resistance. As they fight to make our existing a crime against the law, they strengthen our power to oppose them. They enhance the importance of our existing. They sharpen the blade destined to bring their end. We are made to make things right, to take what looks right but is fundamentally wrong and make it right. And the first step is learning against all propaganda that what appears wrong is not wrong at all. And the second step is learning that what you were taught was wrong was right and is beautiful. When you have learned that what you were um, that what you were told was a way was in fact not the way you were told it was, that the way it was was nothing of the sort, you become a threat to the system that benefits from saying things ought to be the way that they are. It finds ways of keeping us from changing it. When we talk to each other and we see we can't buy food for our family or a place to put our family's heads or a way to get what our families need to play and love and learn and live, 
when we see that we are being lied to, when we see that things are getting worse, when we see that we are not treated the same, when we see that they are told we are wrong, that we offend them and offend their God, when they tell our youth that they are not wanted, what do we do? Do we keep going or do we stop? Do we keep our struggles inside or do we share them and see that none of us has enough, that none of us wants to live like this or has to? There's plenty to go around and the people keeping it from going around are just people and can meet their end as easy as any of us. And they needn't do it adorned in our jewels and we needn't live with their hands around our necks. Margot Apricot, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> How'd you think that went? I, I love it. I, and I, I, I like how she ended it. It's, it's just a, such a good reminder. Just, it's, it's, a, it's a good reminder because not everything we taught is, is accurate. Not everything. And it's, you know, and, and it's, not, it's not a right or a left thing. It's not a Republican or a Democrat thing. It's just to realize that there's, there's forces in power sometimes that don't always have our best interests. And we have, to be, we have to have the wherewithal to challenge the status quo and whatever that looks like. Rashawn Leak, Laura Jones, this is Radioactive Roundtable Tuesday. Panel discussion up next. KRCL has been a longtime supporter of community events and fellow nonprofit organizations. Events and festivals are returning, and as a listener, you can help KRCL continue to support our vibrant community by donating during Radiothon, which begins April 22nd, or donate early at krcl.org. It's been a long winter, but here comes springtime. Getting excited to get out. It's time to get out. We have to see the mountains and the prairies and the whole rest of that song. The return of the KRCL record sale will be coming up. Hopefully, we can gather and share some music. But right now, we're looking for donations. Maybe you got a box of old records in the attic or the basement, and maybe it's time to donate them to a good cause, your community radio station. And we can pass them on to the next music lover so they can enjoy your 33 and a third treasures. Get with Eric, Eric N at krcl.org. That would be nice. Welcome back to Radioactive and Roundtable Tuesdays. I'm Rashawn Leak. Coming up at 7, Democracy Now! Vagabond Radio with Barbie at 8. Connor's Late Night Lowdown starts at 10.30. Super Sounds with Chovy at 1 a.m. And all of our programming and the radioactive archives may be found online at krcl.org. But now, let's get on with our Roundtable Tuesday discussion. Transgender, sorry y'all, Transgender Day of Visibility is coming up Thursdays and it takes on a sense of urgency for its transgender members of our community. Given the banning of transgender youth, athletes, and competitive sports, on Thursday, Project Rainbow has planned a march and rally. So we're going to pass the microphone and find out more with our guests. Joining me, I have Project Rainbow's Lucas Horns, Dallas Rivas, Project Rainbow board member, and Olivia Haramio, Equality Utah's Director of Public Outreach and Diversity and Inclusion Trainer. What's going on, y'all? Hey, everybody. Hey, Hi. <laughs> well, it's good to have you. All right. It's great to be here. I love it. Well, let's let's start. I'm going to start with you, Lucas. One, one, let us know how you'd like to be called, you know, just to make sure I get all the pronouns proper. But I want you to tell us a little bit about Project Rainbow. Yeah, yeah. My name is Lucas Horns. I use pronouns he or they, and I am the uh, founder and director of Project Rainbow. And um, we are an organization and we raise money by staking trans and rainbow flags in folks' yards for different events throughout the year, like Trans Day of Visibility this week. We'll stake rainbow flags in June for Pride Month and then trans flags again for Transgender Day of Remembrance in November. Um, we will come stake a flag in your yard for $15 and then the money we raise goes back into the community anyone in the state of Utah can apply to for grants from us um, come December uh, for events and projects that promote LGBTQ visibility. That was a really great extension when you started doing that. And I love the inspiration, I which is, it. you know, the scouts going around and staking flags mm -hmm. for the 4th of July, 24th of July, Veterans Day. I just thought, hey, this is a great way for folks to literally 
stake something in their yard. You do it, right? Oh yeah, we have our we have our flag. We got we we got our flag a couple of days ago. Us and our neighbors, but it's it it's just a good visibility. You know, it, whether it be whether it just be to say if we have anybody who's transgender on our block or in our neighborhood that we have allies who live here, or a conversation starter because that's that's it. We're, you know, we're so accustomed to having some of these conversations on Facebook and social media platforms that it's not getting. I, it's not the right venue. You know, those yeah. are good venues, but that's not where you're going to get to the meat and potatoes and really have dialogue. Face-to-face over the fence is, I think, what Project Rainbow has done. And if you snooze, you lose. Absolutely. Right, that's Lucas? True. <laughs> it's too late to get a flag for this week, yeah, unfortunately. I'm, I missed out this we, year. Yeah, we have, sn- we have snooze. We've hit the snooze button in the past unintentionally. <laughs> yeah. So so we're on it now. I found the flag that Sue gave me, so we had one here at the station. You're talking about the one rolled up over here yeah. under, under uh-huh. my stuff? Oh, okay. Yeah. Just oh, you're, you're going to take that, are you? Okay. <laughs> Pass that microphone uh, to your right there, and let's talk with Dallas Rivas, Project Rainbow board member. Why did you decide to get involved when Lucas stood up this program? Why was it important to you, Dallas? Okay, it was important to promote visibility because I am a transgender man, and I and a lot of people don't know I'm trans, so I like to let people know so they can understand that I'm just a normal person and I don't like stick out like a sore thumb. I hope, but. Um, I wanted to be involved so people could feel better. A lot of kids see these flags and they feel so good knowing they're supported. All right. And I'm just kind of curious, something you said, you know, a lot of people don't know you're a transgender man. And so Transgender Day of Visibility is is an interesting conundrum because it's a source of of pride and community. But at the same time, transgender people are people and just want to be recognized Mm -hmm. as such. Right. And not everyone has that privilege of wanting to be seen as transgender. Yeah. Olivia Jaramillo is also with us from Equality Utah. Been on the show many times and your your bio is is so extensive and I, I always like to remind folks when you're on that in 2016 you were one of the first individuals nationwide to legally change your name and gender marker while serving on active duty you've run for office more and more visible in mm-hmm. the community literally uh, and i'm opening a bakery too so okay. no i'm not oh, I'm totally well, kidding. i was like oh, okay okay i was like kidding. What's day i am kidding no okay now you have a new a new assignment <laughs> we got to update the bio we got to update the bio laura <laughs> she got us i'm laughing so hard uh, no, so, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, it's it's absolutely. so so important, and I love Project Rainbow, so I'm, I love to support them. All of you are going to be at the March and Rally speaking. What what are you going to be speaking about? I'm guessing, you know, we talked a bit earlier about whose responsibility it is to get yourself mm-hmm. educated, and then days like this are an opportunity for people to get educated, and you step up to the microphone. What is it you want people to know on Transgender Day of Visibility? Well, first of all, I want to thank Lucas and Dallas for thinking of me and, and and for wanting me to have a voice at this rally. It's always so important to give uh, visibility. And um, that is something that I, I, I've learned very much, like you mentioned, ever since I was in the military. I've always seen that there is so much to gain when we start building that bridge between the unknown and education, because we all fear the dark, mm-hmm. we, because we don't know what's there. And I, I've found that whenever we start educating people and let them know oh, that's what transgender is. You start seeing a change in the way they approach our community. And that's that's really what I want to highlight at, at this rally on Thursday, that we, we're human beings. And very much with everything that has been happening in our state, I, no matter what the population, what the minority group, whatever it is, no human being should ever feel that their human, their existence needs to be banned in any capacity whatsoever. And that is the message that I want us all to send, not by, not by rebuking what what has happened, but really by showing the best that we are at, that we are at, which is love. Mm-hmm. I think that is what we're really really good at. <sighs> I love that. I, I I I love that for so many reasons because it's it's true. There it, it, there's there's. There's this line that you you feel like if you if you give too much, you know there there's. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just I, I'm 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 hit because it's hit me in a, in a in a couple different ways because this this is personal because I have friends and family that I care about, 
and I, and I'm seeing I'm seeing their their struggles. I'm seeing their pains. I'm I'm you know and and hugs and, and allies can only you, we can only do so much. And so so I, I love it because I I think I think Dallas you you brought up a, a great point where you know people people don't recognize that that you are transgender and and there's nothing wrong with that. But we have this we have this stigma attached to our neighbors and and it's because of ignorance and and i, I just want to say to our listeners it, there is nothing wrong with ignorance ignorance we are all ignorant and we are blind to something it's the willful ignorance that we need to break down and, and it's the willfully knowing that something is something doesn't make sense and being comfortable in it and so i ask where 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 is the line where do you draw the line before between between wanting to educate somebody and and having them find their own education because it's so both of those are really important but but it's not fair it's not fair to you as humans to be constantly having to bring somebody along in the journey Dallas yes I think that it's very common um, people just want to hate and after Trump came on um, people had an excuse to keep hating they didn't want to see us we're perverts and pedophiles and and that's all they think of us when they see us or we're uh, sex workers, not me, but a lot of people uh, are just uh, sex workers because that's the only money they can make in different countries. And typically we're only seen as when we're dead, like like it's a big deal. You know, there's people all over the country that die every day and especially in Brazil or Colombia. But I mean, I think I have it good, but I can't really compare myself to a lot of trans women, of color especially. Olivia, you want to get in on that? Well, I also work in the diversity, equity, inclusion field, and, and that is something that we see a lot as DEI specialists and consultants. We see that we don't want the people of color being the only ones bringing these topics to the table. And it's almost, and I can see how that mirrors with the um, the topic of, of transgender and, and, but at the same time, I feel that we have powerful voices within the community that can make a lot of good strides forward and really build allyship. And I, I feel it is, it's probably the most important thing that we can do within the transgender community is build our allyship with others that are not part of the transgender community. But the more we bring that awareness piece, people will start to understand us and then from there, you will see that intentionality come from other people, from other sectors, from allies. From allies. So on the march and the rally on Thursday this week, um, who's invited? Who's speaking? Uh, one of the things I do want to point out, if I read the information right, Lucas, is you're starting at the Capitol walking down the hill. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> that, 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 yeah, that, goes, you that goes definitely appreciated. <laughs> Yeah, and I'll actually pass the mic back to Dal because Dallas did most of the organizing for this march, so I'll let him talk to kind of the decision-making on the route, which I think is a good idea, too, and uh, <laughs> who's speaking at it. Dallas, you're speaking okay. at it, so tell us about the day. Okay, well, that day it's going to start off around 5 p.m. as soon as people settle down, and the, I'm expecting a lot, a lot of people. I don't know the number, but we are going to count the, the people, and we're going to start off with Olivia. She's going to do a huge, like an anthem. You're going to be singing? <laughs> no. <laughs> we so we got no. Baker, we got singer, <laughs> no, no, no. military. What not, don't you do, lady? I, I am not singing. <laughs> I, I have karaoke with Olivia, and she is very talented. No, yeah. I want to be invited we want, next We time. want people yes. there, not people yeah. leaving. Right. So she's going to speak. She's also going to give us instructions on how to walk down the road, because we are going to be marching on sidewalks. Yeah, and you're gonna the get the Capitol South Steps is where you're going to start? Yes, okay. Capitol South Steps, and then we will go down, march down with our signs and dancing and chanting and music, everything going down, a lot of excitement, and we're going to get to City Creek Park where we're going to set up again, and we're going to have um, spe- we're gonna have two youth speakers, 12-year-olds. We're going to have uh, Lucas Palmer and Lexi Valenzuela, both two children, a little trans girl, a little trans boy. And they're going to tell us their experiences in school and if they have any issues, any problems. Um, both of them are very supported by their parents. So that's a plus. And then we're going to have Aaliyah Shoemaker speak. And she's a trans woman of color who's been around, I guess, the United States doing a lot of um, 
a lot of uh, like dancing, and she does. Uh, she's a funeral director, and she has a lot of talents. So, but mostly she does ballroom dancing, not ballroom ballroom, but ballroom like pose. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, all right. All yeah. right. Love it. Yeah, and then we're going to just. Uh, Olivia's going to close again, whatever she wants, her little comedy routine. <laughs> and then she's going to, then we're going to just dance, have a good time, and meet each other and mingle. And we're also going to have, oh, tell us about this, Lucas. Yeah. Yeah, some of the um, law students at the university do a lot of pro bono work for various causes. And one of them is helping folks fill out the forms um, to start ch the process in changing their gender and changing their name. And so we'll have a couple of students helping people with um, start on that process, too. Great. So uh, all this activity, is that happening at the Capitol or once you march down to City Creek Park at North Temple and State Street? Well, at the Capitol, will simply be Olivia speaking. And then we'll march down after her speech, and she's going to MC also. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> we're getting down to the City Creek Park, and Olivia's going to take it away again. Yes. See, I'm just finding out all this. <laughs> yeah, but but you know what I really love about this is that we we hear of so many things that happen to the transgender community and so much suffering that you hear. But I love that we have an opportunity to celebrate, and this is really more mm. about celebrating and being visible. Yeah. And even this march, this is about being visible again and about showing the world that not only are we worth seeing, is that we. It's just among us that we can celebrate who we are. There's nothing to hide. And it is, it's so reminiscent of the early pride parades, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and again, reminiscent of those early pride parades is the criticism that is being brought up and directed, the outrage and the hatred at the transgender community. And so to have a day of celebration, you're right, it's right. very important. Absolutely. For, for some of our transgender youth who, who need help with, with changing their identities and things of that nature, where, where do they go? Is there a place they can sign up beforehand so the lawyers aren't bombarded once they're all at the event on Saturday? What do you think? Lucas. I think if we're finding that being a problem, like uh, there's a backup, we'll, we'll take it from there and maybe schedule another time. Um, but yeah, it's uh, we're gonna kind of have to play it by ear because mm -hmm. it's it's hard to say what the need is gonna there. Yeah. That makes sense. You're listening to Radioactive, a roundtable Tuesday edition with Rashawn Leak and myself, Laura Jones, and our guests for the remainder of the hour: Lucas Horns, founder of Project Rainbow, board member of Project Rainbow, Dallas Rivas, and Olivia Jaramillo, director of public outreach for Equality Utah. And I'm kind of curious what the phones have been like since this legislative session, since the veto override at your organizations, in your social circus circles. Maybe, Olivia, we could start with you and you could share a bit of that, especially since you've run for office. And um, did you reach out to your lawmaker at all and discuss all of this with them? Well, I, since I ran for office, I moved um, just because I, I was going to... to um, extend or secure or really strengthen my partnership with Equality Utah and I did not want to be traveling for over an hour just mm -hmm. to come. So my representative now is uh, uh, Representative Jen Daly Provo which is uh, very much loved in the city in Salt Lake City um, but we, we were in, in communication and uh, I did try to outreach to uh, my previous representative and I, I didn't get a response back um, but it, it, but it is interesting uh, to to hear that so many lawmakers were were open to dialogue, and then um, and then suddenly this year, and it's very pointed. It's an election year. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, they're they're not willing to talk. Um, really, the the talking started to decline. Yeah, and, and and it's that's one thing that we are very very thankful for Governor Cox that he. He stepped up, and I, I did. Uh, I've always, I've always been very vocal. I had my doubts about him personally, but he is not just talking the talk now. He's mm -hmm. walking the walk, mm -hmm. and he is living his politics and what he's doing. And he literally put the lives of these kids before anything else, before any politics, before before his own personal politics. He has so much to lose, but he did the right thing, and that is one thing that we're so thankful for. Quality Utah, we, we, we fully thank uh, Governor Cox. So I'm guessing, because you are so visible in the community and 
uh, so publicly identified as a transgender woman that you've had more outreach to you, I'm guessing, as a result. What are you hearing from folks, from families worried about their kids as a result of this legislative session? What 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 we've heard is that is it's just outrage. It, it's it's almost like a disbelief that um, that lawmakers would put their own interests ahead of their constituents in, in such a, a a visible way that that they they've come out and said, you know, I have a lot of people coming at me from my own party, and uh, I'm being uh, I'm being I'm running they're running two or three candidates against me in the primaries. I have to secure myself, and it's 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 really telling, you know. It's and that is what we're hearing from the community that people are are a bit in disbelief about this. So, for for all the people who are in disbelief, and and with that rage, where where are you advising people to channel it? Where where how do we get involved? Because it, the hard part is we are a red state, you know. So we know even if we were to try and unseat somebody who was putting party before people, because that is exactly what's happening. How, you know, how, how do we go at it? Because the, the fear is, you know, we, we have one person who leans right and we get them removed only to be replaced with somebody who's even further right. So what, what, are, what are you suggesting for the people who are just at a, at a loss? What I always tell people is that we, we never respond with the way they attacked us. We, I mentioned it earlier. We, we respond with love, and that that goes with with showing who we are, showing them really what the LGBTQ community is all about, and showing them that we're human beings, we're professionals, we're students, we're family, we're friends, we're work colleagues, we're normal people, and that is a such an important first step that will start showing others that oh, this is really what we are all about. We're not here to take anybody's rights away. We we're seeking equality. Stay engaged. Keep showing up. It's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yep. Lucas Horns, um, Project Rainbow. What have you been hearing? And did you have a a an increase in the demand for transgender flags this year? Oh, for sure. This campaign we had to keep kind of uh, small just due to our volunteer capacity this time of year. But um, we cut it off after like two and a half days because we went over six hundred flags. Oh wow! And mind you, I, we've only ever gotten maybe 500 flags for the transgender campaigns and so we definitely saw a lot of support from the community people wanting to be really visible showing that they not just support lgbtq rights but really specific that they support trans rights since um the trans community specifically is so under attack right now and what have you heard in your own social circle you know i think that to echo olivia a little bit that outrage and that just um, almost a sense of hopelessness but I will say that I feel so hopeful I just we didn't quite have enough volunteers so I ended up having to go stake some flags in North Ogden yesterday <laughs> and I was driving around staking these big five-foot trans flags in these rural communities up in North Ogden and I was you know just kind of struck by the fact that there are p there are supporters everywhere and there are people who are, are going to be unapologetically them throughout Utah and continue to show support or, you know, show the world that they're proud to be trans or tr proud to be queer. Yes, I, I love all of that, Lucas. So I, I guess the next question is for our listeners who want to who wanna say, well, Lucas, I want to be out there staking flags with you. How do we get involved? Yeah, go to projectrainbowutah.org slash volunteer and you can get on our volunteer text list and we'll let you know next time we need you. Have you heard from other states or folks who want to export Project Rainbow? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking right now to a group in Idaho. I knew it. I'm looking at you, Idaho. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Idaho. Hopefully we'll get some campaigns up there this summer. Um, and, yeah, we, it, it would be great to grow it national. So, yes. Dallas, want to come to you now. I'm going to get that mic over to you and ask about what you have heard um, from your social circle, family, friends, work. Uh, what have you heard as a result of this legislative session about the issue of transgender rights? Well, I have actually been working a lot, and no one at work knows I am trans, trans, so no one really talks to me about it. And I don't care if they know, but I just don't mention it because we're so busy all the time. And 
Um, well, to you, that's old news, right? Yeah, that you're a transgender like, man. You know, it's no big deal. So, mm-hmm. and I haven't really had a chance to talk to a lot of people. I haven't heard a lot. I'm not. I, I'm not fond of politics, so I don't really like tune into the news and anything like that all the time about that. Anyway, you're here for the party. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> On Thursday, which that's starts at right. five, yes. south steps of the Capitol. That's right. What is your message for Transgender Day of Visibility on Thursday? And I believe the nationwide theme is "I am enough." Right. Um, I believe it's to celebrate each other, to celebrate ourselves, and we never actually have this. The only thing we ever do is mourn, 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 mourn people that are dead, transgender women, especially. And it's a day to celebrate and have fun and, and let everyone just be themselves and no one's getting crucified for it. Mm. And I think about pride in Utah in general and how that created that space for the LGBTQ community. And it's evolved. We've had some more letters and some symbols over over the years. Olivia, what's what's your message as we wrap our conversation here and get ready for democracy now about folks that want to get involved who are finally ready to perhaps get into politics Mm -hmm. who are finally ready to step up to the mic what's your advice because you dipped your toe in a little bit a little bit and now so visible (laughs) you fell into (laughs) the lake (laughs) well i i always recommend to people it's uh, especially when it comes to presidential years we always see so much on the news we see so many people talking about this candidate or that candidate but at the national level even though those things do affect us what happens at the state level, what happens at the municipal level, that really affects us much quicker than anything else. Mm-hmm. And it, yes, it is difficult sometimes to stay aware of politics. It can, it can wear us down, but every single day we live politics, every single time we go to the grocery store, we're paying taxes. Well, how much am I paying taxes? Am I paying more than other states? There's so many little things where politics literally creeps into all of our lives. And that's where I encourage everybody, live your politics. If you're upset about something locally, get involved. Go to a city council meeting in your city. Just start getting involved in that matter. Start asking questions. Next thing you know, you're gonna fall. You're gonna fall in as well. You're just dipping your toe. But I think just being aware of what is happening, uh, it, it goes such a long way into what I I really really preach: living your politics and really. It goes beyond posting on Facebook. It, it really goes, we, we have to actually start act, acting on it. Well, have you heard of any sports in particular reacting to Utah's override mm-hmm. of Governor Cox's veto? Because we've seen that in other states, and Utah's due for some NBA or NCAA, perhaps the Olympics again. And yeah. I would think that this ban flies in the face of equity and equality statements made by those organizations. It sure does. And I'm, we're really hoping to hear from these organizations. And we are so thankful that Real Salt Lake has stepped up and they have put out that they uh, they do not support any sort of legislation that discriminates against any minority group. And and that that is uh, we're so thankful to them for, for that because it, it makes such an impact on all of those individuals that are fan of that sport, that are fan of that team, it really goes to show that their stadium, that Rio Tinto, can be a safe place. And they have a lot of work to do, but that is such an important thing that they did. Absolutely. Soccer for all. We have yes. just a few minutes left, and I was just reminded, um, given your military background and what we've heard, the culture war being dragged into Russia and Ukraine, Brittany Griner, uh, the basketball oh, yeah. star, star, still being detained by Russia, and I just don't know if you have any thoughts on that in light of Transgender Day of Visibility. Well, it's it's important that we take that that we take context of what's happening around the world, and you know, it's everything that has been happening with the Ukraine, and especially uh, all of the LGBTQ community in the Ukraine, and. They just had a delegation here before <laughs> they did. war broke out, talking about LGBTQ rights. They did, and we they came, they they said hello to us, and it was so great to have them. Um, and, and it's great to hear that they're trying to advance LGBTQ rights in the Ukraine, but this displacing of people in, in Eastern Europe has had an effect, and it's even come out that it's even had a greater effect on the, on the trans community of mm-hmm. the Ukraine. Uh, because they have to disperse, they have to go to countries where perhaps there's no protections, there's right. no uh, legislation that is protecting them. So it's it, it's it's disheartening to see, but at the same time, uh, this is 
this is also a huge opportunity for the EU to step up in that way and, and start providing more protections. Well, Absolutely. that is our show. Rashawn, you got some closing thoughts here as we get ready for Transgender Day of Visibility on Thursday, 5 p.m., south steps of the Capitol. Olivia Haramia will have her baked goods and her <laughs> comedy routine and singing the Comedy's national anthem. I will not <laughs> be doing any of that. No. Well, I, I, you know, I, I really loved what Olivia said, you know, living living your politics because it's, it's so easy. It's so easy to get on Facebook and get on social media and be a, a keyboard keyboard justice warrior, but it's really the work is really in the streets. the The work is really in, because that's where that's where people need to see you. That's when because it's it's in the masses. It's showing up for rallies when when strangers who are unaware drive by and see people and say, "What what is that all about?" And you realize there's a there's a lot of people out there fighting for transgender rights. Maybe I need to maybe I need to open my eyes, open my mind, and find out more about it. Rashawn Leak, thank you so much for being here for Roundtable Tuesday. Thank you, Laura Jones. I'm Laura Jones. Check tonight's show notes at krcl.org to get involved. Plug into your community. Plug into Project Rainbow Equality Utah. On and on and on. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a great night. Take care, y'all. We are your neighbors. KRCL, Salt Lake City.